Hey guys, good good morning, good morning on this uh, beautiful, 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 beautiful day. I hope uh, it's a good day for you and it's been a good week. It's it's a crazy week uh, for us. Uh, next couple weeks are busy, 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 but uh, exciting. We're striving to love our city. I hope you are too. I hope wherever you live, you are trying to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in the world. It is Super Bowl Sunday. Got my uh, sports shirt on, and I hope you do too, your sports pajamas, whatever you wear at night and uh, in the morning. Uh, but it is Super Bowl Sunday. Let's see uh, what's going to happen between these two teams. Uh, hopefully the 49ers will take care of business today. But even more than uh, uh, the Super Bowl that is going on, uh, we are in right now as we speak, we are in uh, Las Vegas with Scarlet Hope uh, reaching. Uh, Scarlet Hope is reaching out to women who are uh, caught up in the sex industry, and I know you've been praying for us, and thank you for that. Keep praying uh, today, and then everybody heads home uh, Monday. I head home late tonight, so um, be praying about that for us, and uh, keep us in your prayers because this is where the real battle is happening not the one for the pigskin on the ball field well we are talking about your faith has saved you and uh, we have um, been looking at people who approached Jesus or had an encounter with Jesus of some kind and how uh, they cried out to him in desperation like Jesus I need you. Jesus, have mercy on me. And then, and then it happened. Jesus gave them uh, his attention and, and uh, their faith and his power came together in a miraculous way and great things happened. The faith, get this, because this can happen to anyone, anytime, you or me. The faith of a human being met the power of the supernatural God. Heaven touched earth in the life of a person and miracles happened. Incredible stuff. That power, that power that Jesus exerted as he healed people and raised the dead and, and he himself was raised from the dead. That power is still alive and well and working around us and among us. And God is, is moving. He's looking for somebody to use. He's looking for somebody who believes enough to say, God, do something crazy, miraculous in my life and through me. God, do something big. Today we are going to put a little twist on uh, this, uh, this topic of your faith has saved you, and uh, God's word to us today is, is, is this, uh, extreme faith. We want to we wanna take faith to a whole nother level. We want to we take our faith in Jesus and our, our Christianity and our walk with God and our worship of God and our service of God and our uh, uh, knowing God and, and carrying out the mission of God, all the things we studied last week. We want to take all that but we want to take it to another level. We want it to be extreme. And what God has to say to you and me today is this. 
You're, if you do that, you're going to need a bigger boat. If you do this extreme faith thing in your heart and in your mind and you say, God, I'm going, I'm going all in. I'm going as, as far in as I can go. I'm just laying it out there for you, God. Use me however you can. If you're saying that to God, what God is going to say to you is you're going to need a, a bigger boat. This boat is not going to be big enough. This faith 101 boat is not going to work. You're going to need a bigger boat. And I pray and I pray that you will. I pray that I will. I pray that you will. I pray that God's people will, his church will really realize and see and have vision that God wants to do far more through us and in us than we could even imagine. And that we're going to need a bigger boat. We are in Genesis chapter 6, 7, 8, 9, that section right there. And we are going to uh, read, I'm going to read a, a section of scripture. You're going to need your Bibles and uh, you're going to want to follow along. I'm not going to put all the text up here today. Uh, but I'm going to read the account, and then we'll dig into this, okay? This is Genesis chapter 6. So open your Bibles, and uh, work with me, and kind of follow along with me, because there is so much good stuff here. This is the account of Noah and his family. Now, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. He walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leave below, leaving below the roof and opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. That's cool. I am going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your, and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and stored away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Chapter 7, verse 1. Then Noah, then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your family, 
because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of every kind of uh, clean animal, a male and its mate, and one pair of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate, and so also seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And Noah did all that the Lord God commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his, son and his son's wives entered the ark to escape the, the waters of the flood. Pairs of clean and unclean animals of birds and of all living creatures that move along the ground, male and female, came to Noah to enter the ark as God had commanded Noah. And after the seven days, the flood waters came on the earth. Now, that's a long section of scripture and there's so so, so, so much good stuff right here. This is the cleansing, the washing of the planet. I mean, just kind of think about that. This, this flooding of the entire planet to just wash it clean, to flood it. There's so many, so many things here in these uh, verses. If you just look at the verses that I just read, just those, the end of chapter 6, the little beginning of chapter 7, and you just start writing some notes, some bullet point notes about everything that happened, the key things. There is a lot, there is a lot of things, and this is, this is kind of how you should study. Just, just pull out the details that God says, and, and when you do that, you, you not only remember things that you would not remember before, but you get to begin to see all that God was doing as he was working and as he's moving among his people. And in this case, it's Noah, uh, all that God is doing in Noah's life. Well, there's a lot of things we could talk about, but there are two major things that we should learn here in this, uh, in this situation, in this text. We're going to talk about one this week, and we're going to talk about the second one next week. Okay, so this is a two-part uh, series in this sermon on extreme faith from the life of Noah, God says you're going to need a bigger boat, okay? And the first thing that we learn from Genesis chapter 6 and 9 is this. Here's what we learn. When God does what God does. That's what we learn. We learn a lot about what God does when God, when God does what God does. That's what we learn. How he goes about it. The action of God. This is, a, this is an incredible thought, if you just think about this. Because like, God works, and he moves, and he steps into our existence at times, and we've seen this throughout the Old Testament. Maybe not as much like in a, in a uh, very uh, a visual way today, because he's done everything that he has needed to do to get us to this point. Like, all of the Old Testament, all of the prophets, all of the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, um, the prophets, and then the apostles in the New Testament and Jesus. And so now we're in these last days and God has done some major things throughout time. He, he doesn't necessarily need to do anything major again. Jesus is the last major thing God did. And 
Jesus is all we really need. So there's not a need for God to step in and, and do uh, these huge things anymore. I know we would love for him to do that. We'd love for, for God to step in and do some crazy thing like that. So we can see it, right? That's what we want. But he does step in in little ways. He does hear our prayers. He does answer our prayers. He does work among us. And this is a, an interesting thought. When God does what God does. This is what we're going to look at today. Right? When God needs an extreme work done. Whether it was back in the Old Testament or now in the New Testament period. What God does is he goes looking for a faithful person. When God does what God does, one of the things he does is he, he goes looking for somebody that he can use in a big way, in, a, in an extreme way. His eyes, the scriptures say, go searching throughout the earth, searching. And what the eyes of God saw back in the days of Noah are a couple things. One of the things that God saw is the wickedness and the corruption of Man, it had become great. The violence had become great. And look what the scripture says. Verse 7, chapter 6, it says, God says, for I regret that I have made them. I regret that I have made them. Now, that hurts. That should sting. Because that's, that's us. That's us. You know, this, this idea that in some way God was sorry that, that things turned out the way they have turned out. The word regret here is not kind of what probably initially comes to our mind. Like we think of regret and we think, oh, I should have never done that. I should have never done that. That's not what this means. This kind of means uh, the idea of regret, uh, we get the word repent. It's a change of heart. It's a, it's, a, it's a, I thought this was a great idea, but I'm not sure that this is a great idea. When we repent, we, we turn away from going this way and we go with God, right? We turn from our sin and we begin to walk with Jesus, right? It means, the idea of repent means grieved. It means, get this, it means to sigh deeply. Yeah, when you walk in the room and the kids were supposed to be cleaning it and they're not cleaning it, but it's messier than it was before you asked them to actually clean it and you just stand at the doorway and you go, what am I going to do with you guys? Right? You had high hopes that they were going to go do something and they did the opposite. It's not that you wish you never had your kids. It's just that you wish they acted differently. I regret. It has to do with being sorry that it went this way. That it turned out the way that it did. That's what God is sorry about. And then God says, God says, I will wipe mankind from the face of the earth. Do you see that in there? God says, I will wipe mankind from the face of the earth. It means I will rub out or I will blot out. The word actually means, the word wipe means delete. I will delete them from the face 
of the earth. It literally means I will wash them away. They will perish. They will be gone. They will be gone. Both man and beast. Did you get that? Both man, okay, we get man. They're violent criminals and chaotic. But and beast, he's going to wipe everything off the face of the earth. I'm not sure what the cows did to deserve this. But God says they're going away. Apparently, man is such a bad influence that we have even corrupted the cows and the, and the chickens. I'm not sure what they did. Maybe it was the ad. You know that ad that the cows did, eat more chicken? Maybe it was that. I don't know. Maybe they did that ad and God said, whoa, that's, you crossed the line there. We ain't going there. But God has a plan. And in, in, in verse 18, chapter 6, God, God says this, I will establish my covenant with you, talking to Noah, and you will enter the ark and you and your sons and your wife and your son's wives with you. So God sees the corruption. God comes to Noah and God has this super awesome idea. And in it, God is very detailed. As God, as we read that, God unfolds what Noah's supposed to do. Very detailed. I hope we notice that, right? The material, the size, huge, 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 right? How to cover it, how to make rooms, the blueprints of this thing. God gives to Noah. And this is super cool. God has Noah, God has Noah do the building because Noah's capable of building. He's built stuff. Apparently he's done this before. Not a boat, not an ark, but he's built stuff. So he's, he's crafted and building him and his sons and maybe the wives too. God has Noah do what Noah's capable of doing. And then God does his part. God does what there's no way Noah can do. The impossible part God does. That is the gathering of the animals into the ark. Think about that. Think about if Noah had to do that. It's not like Noah's yelling, hey, hey, Fido, come here, Fido, here, Lassie. Come over here, boy, here, boy. Okay, here, Rhino, here, Rhino, here, Giraffe. You know, that's not what's happening. And how do you call the birds in? You know, how do you call all the different kinds of species of birds in to go into the ark? And so God does that. Check this out. This is so cool. God has Noah bringing all the animals into the ark when it's done. And look, two of every kind of bird, it says, every kind of animal and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will, look, come to you. This is a little detail that we, we just skim right over. We would never caught this detail unless we, would, unless we write it out, unless we write out the bullet points. Did you get that? They will come to you. You know when you open a children's book about Noah and the flood and you see all the animals lined up two by two and they're all walking like, like they're military, you know, they're all like, like a, a family of uh, 15 homeschool kids. They're all paired up and they're all walking uh, into the ark. That's exactly how it, I, it probably happened. You know, we'd see that in a kid's book and we go, that's crazy. That it didn't happen like that. That's, that's too neat. I think that's exactly how it happened. God made it happen. They will come to you. They just, when it was time, they just came to Noah and they went in the ark to be kept, to be kept alive. God did the impossible part. I can just picture it, right? 
And in chapter 7, verse 2, it says, He also took seven pairs of clean animals, male and female, and they also came to him. They came to him. And then, no, also, don't forget to pack food. You're going to need food for your family. Uh, you're going to need food for the animals. And this adventure may take a while. And so come ready for that. And so here's what we learn. When God does what God does, when God does what God does, he also thinks of everything. Like he has, he knows what needs to be done. Even in a human way, he's able to relate with you and with me. No detail goes unnoticed. None. He knows it all. I wonder if we get that. Like in our own lives as we walk on the earth. And we always, you know, why this and why that? God knows. And when God does what God does in your life, he knows what's needed. And he knows what's not needed. And even more than that, he knows when it's needed. And it's all about God's timing once again. It's about God's timing. It's about us walking in God's timing. Not, not asking God to walk in our timing. But God knows and he thinks of everything. And you got to love how chapter 8 begins as the story unfolds look how chapter 8 begins this is the end of the flood period here we're coming to the end of the ark story and look what it says chapter 8 verse 1 but god remembered noah <laughs> noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark and if you were noah you are so so very glad that god remembered Right? It's not like God went away and he to like grandpa and he, oh man, what about that guy in the ark? It isn't that. But but think about Noah in the ark. Now this is almost a year's time. That from the time he went in the ark to the time he got off the ark, it's almost a, about a year. 350, 60 days, something like that. There's a lot of like shoveling going on. There's a lot of animals. They're shoveling this stuff probably out of the ark into the ocean. I mean, what are you going to do with it, right? I mean, it's got a yank stank up in there, and it, it's not good. But look what it says. God remembered Noah and the animals and the beasts and stuff. And, and here's what happens. He sent a wind. I don't know about you, but like if, if you work on dirt or at a farm, or if you work on a ball field, I work on ball field. So if it rains, if it rains, what I need the next day or two, God send not just sunshine, but I need wind. Because the wind blowing across the ground dries the ground so, so quick. Sun, sun is great as well, that sun beating down, but the wind is what really helps dry the ground. And this is cool. He sent the wind over the earth and the waters receded went back they went down they went in now the springs of the deep and the floodgates of the heavens had been closed and the rain had stopped falling from the sky the water receded steadily from the earth at the end of the 150 days 
the water had gone down, and on the seventh day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest on Mount Ararat. That's cool. The waters continued to recede until the 10th month, and on the first day of the 10th month, the tops of the mountains became visible. That is super cool. You think of Mount Everest, you think of the Rockies, you think of all these high mountains. They were literally 22 feet under the top of the water. Now, 22 feet doesn't sound like hundreds of feet, but 22 feet is still pretty tall. It's you know, tall as some trees are about that tall, right? If our auditorium is about, about uh, probably 20 feet. So it's a pretty tall, it's a pretty tall thing above the mountains, not from the earth's surface or from, you know, uh, ground zero, the ocean, but from the tops of the mountain, another 22 feet, it was completely flooded. And then the waters began to go down to where the mountain tops now were uh, being seen. And this is how God does what he does. Like he sees the evil. He doesn't turn a blind eye to our evil. He sees the evil and then he deals with the wickedness and the evil and the corruption of mankind. God deals with us and he will continue to deal with us and he will deal with us one more final time, not in a flood, but in the coming of the Son of God. He will deal with us again, and many people will again perish, will be wiped from the face of the earth because of the wickedness and the corruption of their heart. Don't think for one second that God does not see what has been done to you or what you are into. Like he sees it all. He sees what's going on in our life and he will deal with it. And at times he deals with it in a massive cleansing like the flood, right? Or like Israel as they're hauled off as captives and God deals with the masses of them. Or the nations that surround Israel and God wipes them out and he deals with their rebelliousness and their sin. And at other times, God just plucks the bad apples out from the group. He just deals with the, those that are sinful and he, he yanks them out, he plucks them out, like Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts. Sometimes it's surgical and it's quick and it's powerful and it's precise. And other times it's very natural and God just lets this generation pass away. Fine. You don't want to obey? I'll just wait for the next generation to rise up. But we can be assured of this. He always deals with the wicked. He will deal with our sin. And he sees also in the midst of the wickedness and the evil and the corruption, God also sees the faithful. Now, this is the good news. He blesses and he works among those who seek him and honor him among the darkness. He is looking for those who want to be a part of the light. With the events of Noah, we learn how God does 
what God does. That's what we learn. We learn the heart and the mind of God, that he is attentive, that his eyes, his eyes see the evil of mankind. He sees your evil. He sees my evil. And he despises the rebellion. He regrets not so much the decision to make us, but that we don't hang on to him, that we don't live lives to honor him. And in his holiness, in his purity, sin must be removed. It cannot come into the presence of Almighty God. This destruction had to come. It had to come. But then it happens. Once again, it happens, right? It happens. And praise God, it happens. We have chapter 6, Verse 8, and here's what it says. Chapter 6, verse 8, it happens. Here it is. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. See, this is beautiful. This is the rest of the story. God sees it all. He sees it all. He's not like the parent that goes into the room or a teacher that yells at the whole class when only a few people have messed up. He deals with the sinful. He deals with the wicked and the corrupt. And he sees it all. And when he sees somebody, when he sees anybody, just one person living faithful to him, he may send the floods all around you, but he will deliver you. Noah... Noah was the glimmer of light that mankind needed most. And you can be too. You can be that glimmer of light in a world of darkness. Next week, we are going to dig into part two of this story, the extreme faith of one man. And I want to leave you today with this prayer thought as we wrap this up. Here's this prayer thought for today. This, this prayer point is simply this. As God looks upon the earth, as he looks upon the earth right now, today, and he sees you, how does he see you? How does he see me? What kind of life am I living? Am I fully committed and devoted to the Lord? Am I all in with Jesus or am I partway in? Or not in at all with him. I've never given my life to Christ. If, if you've never given your life to Christ, you need to do that now. The day of destruction is going to come again. Don't put that off. But for those of us who have been following Jesus, is he going to find faith on the earth? Is he going to see us as part of his solution for the planet? Or are we going to be found part of the mess? Are we going to be the ones in the ark? Or are we going to be the ones outside the ark? I don't know about you, but that's pretty sobering. It ought to cause us to just stop and take a few minutes and just examine ourselves and ask God to help us to get right with him. I will see you guys next week. God bless you. And... Uh, be, cave. Be careful out there. Be safe.